This episode of the Happy Hour is brought to you by Sci-Fi Saturday's Bartow. It is February 21st, 2015 from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yes, and they're going to have the Raider 1 Cylon ship from the original 70s Battlestar Galactica is going to be on site. Wow! They're going to have many sci-fi collectible vendors. Amazing! Panels, games, a life-size TARDIS, a Doctor Who costume contest, food vendors, the 501st Star Wars Club is going to be there. Oh, snap. Oh, yes, and the USS Haven Star Trek Club. Cosplayers are welcome, and just so you know, it's a totally free event. Free! Completely free for you and the family. It's going to be a family event. So come on out and see us at Sci-Fi Saturdays Barto, and that's Sci-Fi spelled just like the TV network. S-Y-F-Y. Saturdays Barto, and come out and see the happy hour with Johnny. And Deuce! Yes, sir. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and of course I have... Deuce, what's going on, man? Hey, Deuce. Of course, this is the Happy Hour, Johnny and Deuce. We are very happy to have Andrew Duvall from the Fangasm on Sci-Fi. And uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is an amazing stand-up comedian, and he lives in L.A., and he's an awesome Star Trek fan. And definitely, you need to go check it out, because, Andrew, you... um. I, did you you ever get to see the finale? And a lot of them, uh, Mike Reed and everyone was having an issue seeing that finale at midnight. Uh, yeah, I, I saw the finale. I decided just to go ahead and buy it from iTunes. Um, like, I might as well. I'm not on TV. I'm just trying to spend the five bucks and get the whole series. So, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, what was your take on it being uh, launched at midnight? That was kind of crazy, huh? Yeah, the whole the whole thing with sci-fi... <sighs> The way the TV works is so weird because, you know, the whole series was almost like a commercial for Kamikaze. So <laughs> Kamikaze got, it's like Kamikaze got what they wanted out of it and Sci-Fi got what they wanted out of it. But they knew they didn't have a hit on their hands. You know, it wasn't like a runaway hit. So yeah, after like the third or fourth episode, they just didn't really care and they just kind of like tanked the rest of this series. Well, that actually kind of brings me to a good point, Andrew, and a point that a lot of uh, people online brought up was, you know, they felt like when they watched the show, it was just a giant commercial for Kamikaze. Did you ever feel like when you were, like, taping, like, hey, wait a minute, does somebody have an agenda here that we're not on board with, or did you ever... Yeah, to tell you the truth, it was about, like, like the, the producers of the show, the 495 guys, right. they were great. And they did their best to make it as good as they could. But the show was a big commercial for Kamikaze. It was, yeah. every episode was like, hey, you know, George Takei may be at Kamikaze. Stan Lee is at Kamikaze. You know, this person will be at Kamikaze. And, like, well, who are the uh, cast members are talking to? And so, like, me and, like, some of the cast members and, like, 495 people, we did the best that we could to make it as entertaining as we could. And, you know, like, the real moments where, like, you met George Takei, I think, is yeah. great TV. But, you know, you just, if you're watching a TV show, you don't want to be sold something when it's not the commercials. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, product placement's one thing, but, like, this was almost beyond product placement because it was, like... The premise of the show was, you know, becoming, you know, a, a full-time paid intern for Kamikaze. Like, that's what you want as a prize. And, you know, Regina the whole time was talking about Kamikaze. And almost, 
it almost felt like now I was a huge fan of the show. I watched every single episode. I even stayed up late and watched the finale at midnight when it aired. Uh, so I mean, a diehard fan here, but it was like I'm tired of hearing a kamikaze. I want to see you know Andrew. I want to see Mike. I want to see Sal. I want to see um, you know all you guys on the show. I want to see Paul. You know, I want to see you guys hanging out and having a good time because for me. That was my touchstone of the show because for me it was like this is the first time I'm seeing people on TV that are like me, that are nerds, but they're cool. Like they're not, you know, socially awkward, you know, Big Bang Theory misfits. Like these people are just cool guys and gals that, you know, like comics, like video games, like Star Trek and Star Wars and cosplay. Like it, for me it was like you guys were the standard torchbearer of like Hey, you know, we're 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 geeky but we're cool and like they wanted to shove that to the side. They wanted to talk more about this convention, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I was right with you the whole entire time. Uh when they had his working at the Kamikaze office and I, I don't know how much they showed it on the show, but I I flacked off like nobody else. Like I was the worst worker in the world. Because, you know, when when you're filming the show I do what we were doing was going to be on TV. So I knew us just working on the computer isn't like entertaining. No one wants to watch yeah. that. So I, I did my best when I was, with that, when I was at work to make that as entertaining as possible. But to me, to, to make that show better, it should have just stopped with us in the house going doing stuff. Like, you know, me and George Decay, me and Stanley, stuff like yeah. that. But I, I wasn't behind the scenes. So I don't know. I don't know the whole I don't know. I guess you have to have, you know, kamikaze to meet those people. So I don't know. Well, maybe, or you also got to remember, because I mean, being a stand-up comedian and knowing kind of the backside of the entertainment industry, like I do, you don't know who's rubbing whose hands and who's paying off who. Like maybe Stanley's kamikaze was paying off half the production cost because it was a giant ad for kamikaze. So sci-fi didn't eat have have to eat so much on the production end. I mean, you don't know how contracts work and who's paying who, but I mean, as much product placement as there is, Stanley Kamikaze had to be paying Sci-Fi something. Yeah, uh, I don't know the whole details, but that's pretty much how it goes. Kamikaze yeah. was paying for a lot of it, so they, you know, got to say what was going on. And Regina, like Regina, is a really nice lady, but it's like when she was on the show, they wanted her to be the bad guy, and they were trying to drama where there really wasn't any kind of drama with her see there's this weird awkward moments when she was on the show with us where nobody really knew what was going on and like i said before where the show really shined was when the roommates were able to like hang out together and just talk and you know do stuff together yeah and i felt really really bad because i'm not gonna lie like i've put some feelers out there because you know we've been getting interviews with you guys now i've got we've gotten you we've got mike we've gotten paul you know, Regina, I really think of my heart of hearts as a really sweet, nice woman. She's probably great to work for, but I felt like they made her play a character and made her be somebody she's not on TV. And I almost felt bad for her in a lot of ways because I thought she was kind of painted in a negative light, and she's probably just a, a sweet, sweet woman. Yeah, she was uh, She was really nice. Um, you know, I met her, uh, I've seen and talked to her a couple times after, show uh finished airing and finished filming and she's just like a really down-to-earth nerdy girl 
but she's just a nerd. She's just a huge nerd that yeah. runs a huge comic book convention. And when I was talking to her after the show aired, I'm like, I don't know why you, they just didn't let you play you. Yeah. They made her play like a uh, weird... Like an evil boss. Person. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't make any sense to me because that's not who she is at all. She's just this really sweet lady. Yeah. And they were trying to create drama where there wasn't any. Yeah. Well, that's the only bad thing in the reality TV world. I mean... Yes, you know, it's somewhat scripted, but sometimes they've got to make drama, and through making drama, I think, like I said, I think they tried to write her as a bad guy to create a little drama, but I don't, I personally, in my heart of hearts, don't think that's Regina at all, and, and uh, I don't know, maybe one day I'll be lucky enough to actually meet her in person, but I think she's a sweetheart. Yeah, she was, she's great. She's, she's a really nice person. And that's, yeah, that's the thing about reality shows, like, a lot of it is reality, but at the same time, they do have to try to create drama and stuff like that, lots of it. Like, you know, they didn't tell her what to say, but they told her how to say stuff. Yeah, so, and how to act and what they kind of wanted to come across because at the end of the day, yeah. it's a reality show, but it's still a show that has to get ratings and has to get, you know, ad dollars. So if you're getting crummy ratings, you're not getting ad dollars. So you've got to make villains, you've got to make heroes, you've got to make the story interesting so you can sell the ad space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, Andrew, do you still keep in touch with uh, the former cast members? Uh, a couple of them. I, I try to keep in touch with Cell and uh, Kristen as much as possible, but they're way on the East Coast, so it's kind of hard. Well, um, Danny, uh, Mike, and Molly live in L.A., and those, those three of the three people that I probably talk to, if you can believe it, for some reason, I guess. I guess when you live in L.A., everyone's just always busy. And then Paul's still in Sacramento, I think. Yeah, because we just got done talking with Paul last week, and we talked with Mike about the week before that, I want to say, because he lives in Tampa, so he lives really close to us. But, man, we, we, oh, yeah. we'd love to get them on the show, if you don't mind, your friends, because we're – we're we're trying we're like Pokemon we're trying to collect them all we're trying we're trying to have at least so we could say we've had the whole cast of fangasm on the show because like I said I was a diehard fan I watched every week I DVR'd I watched every single episode I stayed up till midnight and watched the finale because that's oh, where well, they thank dropped you very it much, man, man I, I, no thank you guys it was so entertaining and like I said it was just so nice to finally see people on TV that were like me you know what I mean like. I watch a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but a pretty good chunk of reality television, mostly like uh, like MTV, like Jersey Shore, um, uh, and uh, the Challenge show that they've got. And on CMT now, they've got a really, really good one called uh, Party Down South, which is done by the same production company that did you guys' show, um, you know, that's doing really well in the ratings of Party Down South that I love. But it was nice to see a reality show with people that I could relate to, that... Uh, it's like the, the these people are me. They're kind of like an avatar, if you will, on TV. And it's like I can relate to these people. And that was really, really cool. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, of course. I, I When they pitched, like when I did the very first audition for the show and they pitched me the show idea, I was very excited about it. Like, I was like, well, this could be really cool. Like, you know, a real big bang. You know, if not hackers pretending to be nerds. Yeah. true nerds you really love different nerdy things I thought it would be great and it was to a certain extent a lot of it was really good well I had a couple behind the scenes questions to ask if if, if I can get away with it were you on lockdown yeah, were you on lockdown for that month with Mike and them in the hotel 
I wasn't um, in, in a hotel. Um, like when we first, like the way the way it, it worked is, it was about a year's worth of auditions I had to go through to actually get on the show. Wow. And yeah, it was like this audition after audition after audition after audition in front of many many different people. And when I finally did get on the show. Uh, they took me to a hotel for a day, and then they took me to the um, to the house, the house that you saw on TV, and that's where we lived for a whole entire month. And it was literally they filmed us twenty four seven. Like when we were sleeping, people would come into our rooms and just film us sleeping a little bit. And if we stirred or moved or got up, someone would be there in a camera. So there really wasn't. We had a couple dark days, which is like when they don't film, but they don't let you go anywhere. They they just you know just sit there well actually tell me about that because that is interesting as shit what happens on a dark day if it's like okay saturday we're not going to film what is it like they make you go out the day before get everything you need and you can't leave the house for the day uh we had two dark days one dark day we did promotional stuff like we took uh like they brought uh photographers in and we did all the photographs for the show, like the stuff that you would see on the internet or stuff like that, you know, the, the Or like on sci-fi, like when they were running the ads during like SmackDown and during yeah. the other sci-fi yeah, shows. Things. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then the second dark day, they took us out to a dinner and a movie. And they let us like sleep in, so. That's cool. So basically, they were kind of like quasi giving you a day off. Like, look, you guys can sleep in. We're going to take you to dinner and a movie. You can kind of like... Let your hair down and not be you for a day. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was nice. Uh, and to tell you the truth, that second dark day uh, was probably one of the funnest days. Like, just hanging with these people and, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like they should have filmed that day because that was yeah. one of the realest days I experienced. That's where I became friends with most of them. Because at that point, it's, it, you don't know who, like... When I was filming, I was just me. I was just like, you know, I was, I'm just a goofy guy, so I was always me, but I wasn't sure if the other people were them or they were just like a, a weird version of them. But yeah. on that second dark day was the day I realized who they were. That yeah, and I think that's really cool because we've, through the in, couple interviews we've had with you and with Mike and with Paul, I definitely, I'm not an idiot. I'm, uh, I'm a dumb redneck from Polk County, but I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I... You know, I definitely can think that I've been able to sift through some things and figured out there was definitely some people on there that weren't themselves that maybe had an idea of what they wanted to do afterwards, like they wanted to spin off or they were hoping that this would like springboard them to something else. And then there was definitely a camp of people that were really and truly them. Was that the day where you maybe yourself kind of figured some of that out? Yeah, that, that was the day uh, that I realized who was, uh, you know, trying to get, become famous and who wasn't. Um, like Kristen, uh, I don't know if you remember her from the show, but she's like this really qu quiet girl. She didn't really say anything. She yeah. got caught out a lot on the TV, which was a shame. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, she's just, I don't, I don't know why she's on the show. She's so quiet. Yeah. But on that second dark day when we were like sitting there and talking and she's just, one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. I guess she just was nervous or something like that. But like stuff like that. Uh, it's weird because, you know, when you're filming, there's like seven cameras on you. And then behind those seven cameras are producers. And then behind those producers are like PAs running around. So you're never really, 
it's just, it's just a really weird experience. So you have to block out the cameras and just relax and be yourself. And a couple of us were able to do that, and a couple of them weren't. So. Well, that's awesome, and I'll tell you what, Kristen's actually been one of the people we've been trying to get, because one of the coolest things was she brought all of her podcasting equipment, and you guys were doing a podcast while you were doing the show. Yeah, that was that was fun. She was That's where she really shined in the show, with the podcast. She, exactly, and she is a sweetheart. I loved her on the show, and she was kind of like... Uh, maybe one of my little crushes if, if, if we'll put it all out there but she was a sweetheart and I, I can't find her on social media anywhere like she scrubbed herself clean I can't find her on Facebook I can't find her on Twitter I've googled the ever loving shit out of her I can't she's gone she is like a mystery woman now yeah I uh I've she's She's very reclusive. She likes the privacy and stuff like that. So I, I would just give her her number if I, she would show me if I did that. But uh, I, she's somewhere on Facebook. Keep trying and you should find her. Well, <laughs> so, I'm definitely going to keep doing that. And when we get done with the episode, we're definitely going to tweet it to you. And hopefully you can tweet it to her and... And who knows? Maybe she'll she'll send us a line because we've got a you know we've got a uh, we've got a a Gmail uh, at H H. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, a little issue here. Uh, we have a uh, you know we have different ways people can find us, but our whole reason why we wanted to interview you guys is we want you know we we always say like our podcast is just a couple of geeks just talking on the couch, right, and drinking beers. Like we we feel like we connected to you guys, you know, and gals on the show, and like we want you guys to be able to kind of really have your opportunity to like voice your. Your experience, and we want everyone to have their moment to kind of talk about that, and that's kind of the reason why we're trying to hunt everyone down and trying to get their thoughts and feedback. So it's just kind of you know fun for us to kind of hear the inside scoop on what was going on and whatnot. So yeah, if if you just want to like, hey, these guys were cool, whatever, whatever your thoughts were on us, like, hey, send a line. They already had us and Mike and and Paul, whatever. We'd really appreciate that because she seemed like a really awesome person. So and obviously if. You know, if she doesn't want to, that's totally fine. But yeah, yeah and if she wants to be reclusive, that's totally fine. We just, I felt like oh. it, it's almost me giving back to you guys because I felt like you guys got robbed a little bit. Like you got killed in the edit, you got dropped at midnight. Like after about the third or fourth episode, it seemed like sci-fi didn't give a shit. And I want you guys to have a, a chance to talk and tell your story. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if you can find her, like I'll message her on Facebook and tell you tell her about you guys. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure she would probably want to like. Um, she, she's she's very appreciative of fans. That's what she just she appreciates everything. Because you know, without you guys, the show even wouldn't have gone as far as it did. So we're all very appreciative of that. Well, in 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 that appreciation was returned, Andrew. Because really, and from the bottom of my heart, like I just feel like you guys got robbed, and I feel like maybe. In this, I, I hear horror stories all the time about people in TV, and it's like you promise this one bill of goods, like oh, we're gonna promise you the world, and you give them everything you got, and then they just kind of discard you like trash. And I kind of, I feel like that happened to you guys, and it hurts my heart. You know what I mean? Like if, I feel like you guys got a raw deal, and you had probably the best show I've seen in the past two, three years going. Well, yeah. Th- thank you very much for that, and yeah, I. I- we were we were kind of raw, uh, you know. After like the second episode aired, I kind of got the feeling. I feel like I knew the feeling that this is this was just a commercial kamikaze and it was going to be one and done. And you know, after like the fourth episode, I'm like, I don't even know if the last two episodes are going to air because 
you know, Regina got what she wanted. She got her ticket sales went up for Kamikaze. Sci-Fi got their money from Kamikaze. So, and then they got the money from, you know, the people who uh, put commercials on the show. So they, neither one of them really had any more reason to promote the show. And the people who got screwed was not only the people who were on the show, us, but you guys who enjoyed the show. So. Yeah, because, like, I enjoyed the show and I kept waiting for season two, waiting for season two. And then, you know, I read through different, you know, variety and different, you know, entertainment websites because I'm always on entertainment websites because I'm just a big fan of entertainment in general, be it reality TV, regular TV and everything else. And, you know, you hear nothing, you hear nothing. You're like, oh, well, because in my heart of hearts, I was like, well, maybe they're going to wait till closer to next year's Kamikaze. Like maybe they're that's the reason they're not saying anything. And then I was like, no, dude, like. I kind of had to burn the candle, you know what I mean? Like, it was like I had to put it out and be like, nah, they ain't coming back. But, and it hurt. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, I, I realized pretty fast that there wasn't going to be a second season. Uh, like, the, the way they do it is they look at views, like, you know, how many people watched. Yeah. And I think each episode averaged, like, 400,000. And, you know, that's not like a, um, you know, that's not like, oh, my God, this is, like, a hit we have on our hands yeah. but it was enough that for most channels they would have just done a second season to see if they could pick it up even more Yeah. but like I said sci-fi just they didn't care they had other things on the place that they wanted to produce yeah. uh, Comic-Con they didn't really care anymore they got what they wanted out of it yeah they got the so, ticket sales you know, Thank was left in no man's land and it just kind of fell by the wayside so I was really intrigued do you remember what movie you watched on your second dark day we watched the Superman movie. Oh, Man of Steel? Yeah. What was your thoughts on Man of Steel? I, I didn't I didn't really like it. I uh, I was excited for it because I heard uh, Christopher Nolan had some writing stuff with it. And I'm like, wow, they're going to make Man of Steel like a dark superhero movie like they did with Batman. I was excited for that because, you know, the story of Superman, if you really get to it, is just like a really depressing, sad story. His whole world is destroyed. He's the only one left. You know, he has to fight between being Superman and Clark Kent. It's like a really good storyline that you could really make a good dramatic movie like they did with Batman. But they just turned it into Superman flying in the buildings for like two and a half hours. So I was, I was kind of disappointed. Well, you know what I thought? I thought that Russell Crowe knocked it out of the park. Like, I, I loved him... Um you know, it was Jor-El, and I thought, I love that opening, you know, of the whole introduction of how, how things started, and then it, for me, I just felt like um, Kevin Costner, <sighs> that was just a train wreck. Yeah, I, the Russell Crowe part, the whole beginning, it started off so promising, like, the first 30 minutes, I'm like, alright, this is great, and then just, ten, every 10 minutes after that, it got worse and worse for me. Yeah, it just slowly started shit in the bed before <laughs> you figured out, oh yeah. my god, this is like a big honking turd I'm sitting in right now. Yeah, and then they, they, they had Superman murder people, and like, yeah. I'm like I don't, whatever, I'm done. Yeah. Are you, I know you're a big Trekkie and whatnot, but are do you do you have a preference, uh, DC over Marvel? Um, not really, I just like them both. My favorite superhero is uh, Batman. But I love Spider-Man and X-Men, so it just, it doesn't really matter to me, either one. Like, they were having arguments about it on the show. That was like a big heated debate the, uh, the cast members would have, and I was always just like, oh, I don't like them both. <laughs> I don't know, and I have no preference. 
Well, I think that was funny because one of my favorite things, and, and Mike gave us some insight, and so did Paul, is that first day when you moved in the house and everybody's unpacking all their shit and they're taking out comics and statues and all this stuff. And then you're taking out all your stuff. And I, I really thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that moment too. Uh, just that, that was a really nice moment to just to talk to everybody, see what everybody had. Uh, I had my little Star Trek boys, and I always put them in text positions whenever I put them up. That's how they are in my house right now. So that, that was, that's always fun. What's your favorite Star Trek movie um, from the Next Generation? First Contact. That that's not only my favorite Star Trek movie. Period. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Because, uh, like, I love zombies. Zombies are like, you know, The Walking Dead, the, all the all the zombie movies I just love. And the Borg in Star Trek are just kind of like zombies in space. That's almost what they are. Just, you know, just, it's amazing. And that first contact movie, every time I try to get a friend to watch it, hate Star Trek, I make them watch that movie, and they love that movie. They may hate Star Trek, but that movie is just great. Well, I love it because like it, it, it's very dark. It's very cerebral. Like it, it has a lot going on to it. Like you unfold the the layers of the onion, and there's just so much going on for it. They're talking about death, life, rebirth, uh, you know, loss. I mean, it's everything. Everything you can imagine. It evokes so much emotion. You know, when you're you know watching this film, and I I argue that it's I'm up there with you. I'm, I argue that you know when you talk about some of the best Star Trek movies. Obviously, people talk about uh, Khan or whatever at the Khan, but like I'd say, First Contact technically is a better film, even though you know you ha- you have to try to break that nostalgia away from you know those the the Shatner ones. Yeah, like Wrath of Khan is a great movie, but it's a great Star Trek movie. Like my friends who don't like Star Trek don't like that movie. They won't watch Wrath of Khan. They get bored because they don't know what's going on. But with First Contact, it's just a great movie. If you're a movie lover, that's a movie you should watch. Are you excited about the third Star Trek movie? I'm kind of apprehensive about it because I didn't really like In the Dark. I thought, uh, like, I, I loved the 2009 one, the first reboot, but I, I wasn't a big fan of In the Darkness. So I'm kind of scared what they're going to do with the third one. Yeah, because I think J.J. Abrams is only on as a producer. Is that correct? Yeah, because yeah, he's really busy with uh, Star Wars. So uh, I, you know, it's funny. I don't know who else they could have given like that can handle two of the biggest, arguably two of the biggest franchises ever in the history of filmmaking. Like you have one guy that's going to be behind the director's chair for both. Like you mentioned something earlier, you know, about you know, there's always that people think there's that war between Trekkies and Star Wars fans, and it's like for me, it's like. I love Star Wars almost as much as I love as I love uh, Star Trek, and like, but I felt I like I said I treat them as two separate entities. One does something different for me, like the other one does. You know, it's it's uh, I treat them separately. They're not the same for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. They're just the two different types of movies to me. I think the best way I could explain it is Star Wars is always like it's almost like a fantasy movie. You know, it's like if you watch like Lord of the Rings. Like, uh, like, oh, this is really cool. I, you know, I wish I was like a Jedi and stuff like that. And then when I watch Star Trek, I feel like I'm almost watching, you know, like documentaries from like the future or something. But kind of like those aliens and galaxy quests. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like maybe one day this could happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, favorite movie of last year, if you can remember? Do you have any movies that you loved? Of last year? Um, Did you like Guardians of the uh, Galaxy? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of. I thought that was just 
above and beyond great. It, it was funny. It was it was action packed. It was everything you could want in a movie. It was it was really good. My favorite movie that just came out, I, I, I guess it's technically last year since it came out in like December, was Whiplash. I don't know if you guys seen that or heard of it, but if you haven't, go check that movie out. It's the best movie I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, we'll have to definitely check it out because we, you know, we love movies and television and whatnot. Are you, um, are you versed on um, some of the television that's coming out now, like Gotham and Flash? And are you? Do you watch Arrow? Do you watch anything that's on TV now? Uh, the only thing that I watch that's on TV is if it's on Netflix. Huh. <laughs> so if it's not on Netflix, I don't know about it, which is really bad. But yeah, so all those really new shows like Gotham and Flash, I've heard of them, but I just haven't seen them. Well, I think it's funny because uh, Kyle and I, we, we've kind of seen this shift, this paradigm shift when it comes to how uh, people are consuming media now. You have subscription-based music like Spotify, and you have like your Netflix, your Hulu, your Amazon Prime. Like, I think it's just opened the door for so much more content and creativity. Uh, you're not limited by your cable providers. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I love the direction we're going in. Yeah, it's great. And Netflix is just going to keep getting better and better because they're just going to keep doing their own movies and their own TV shows. Like, uh, Orange is the New Black is a fantastic show. Uh, on HBO, I love Game of Thrones, and they're going to start doing a, a prescription thing soon, so it's great. That's awesome. Andrew, are you a gamer at all? I do. I, I love video games. I haven't... Um, I haven't played as much as I would like. You know, you get busy sometimes out here, but I do, I really love video games. I love anything from, like, Mass Effect to, like, you know, MLB The Show. So I just, oh, I wow. Video games. Well, wow, that's that's a pretty diverse. It, it, it actually, you kind of, you hit my heartstrings there a little bit because that's kind of the games I like. I like anything from, uh, you know, your RPGs to your, I'm a huge first-person shooter fan, but I like the sports games like Madden and, the show every year is probably one of my favorite games. What system are you playing on right now? Uh, right now, I got a PS3. I keep wanting to get the PS4, but uh, I don't really need it. Everything I want is on a PS3 at, at the time. So. Brother, I'm going to tell you right now, get a PS4, because me and Johnny both have them. It'll fucking change your life, brother. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it's great. Especially for Arkham Knight coming out here in October, that's it's next gen only, so it's gonna be pretty pretty. Oh scary. yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it definitely needs to be something that you look into. Is there any games coming up that you're looking forward to? Um, I haven't. I don't. I don't really know what new games are coming out. Um, I, I'm just I, right now. I have like twelve games, and I just kind of alternate between them. You know, it's like. The three Mass Effect games, uh, Red Dead Redemption. Oh wow, that's um, amazing! Have you beat that yet? Yeah, it's it's, it's old. Oh uh, man, I'll tell you what's awesome. The, uh, Night of the Living Dead or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, that's fun. Um, well, yeah. What would you say, like, if you said, okay, uh, Deuce, right now, this is a game that's in my system. What's the game that's in your system right now that you've been playing the most? Right now, it's Grand Theft Auto Five. Oh my God! Yeah, that was so good. What 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 yeah. what are you? What is your thoughts on it? I mean, we've gone on about it forever. Hell, I bought the damn thing twice because I bought it for my Xbox 360, beat it, and then I bought the the new one for the PlayStation 4 because I love the damn thing so much. But w what are you thinking about it? I love it. It's it's probably one of the best games I've ever played. I always liked the Grand Theft Auto games, but my biggest complaints with all of them 
before this one was the story. The story always was lagging, and I never finished the story. But with this one, the story is so good, I find myself running to where the uh, like the missions are so I could keep going with the story. Exactly, because when I played it, I did the same thing. Like Normally, I would just go and do side missions, but you want to see what happens with these characters because you're so involved with the story. You're like, screw it. Maybe I don't have enough money to buy all the guns I want for the mission, but I'm going to do it anyway because I want to see what happens next. Yeah, the, the, way, the thing I'm liking about video games nowadays, it's like almost it's like you're playing a movie. That's, yeah. that's what you're doing. Like, if you ever seen Heat and you're like, man, I would really like to play a video game like that. Well, there you go. That's Grand Theft Auto Five. It's Heat, yeah, exactly. It's like Heat the video game. I don't think I could explain the premise of Grand Theft Five any better than it's like Heat the video game. Yeah, it's it's great. Like the very first mission, like the first thing you do when the game turns on is you're shooting up police and you're running away with money. And I'm like, well, this is great. I'm both. So. Yeah, man, God, that game is so so good. So how was your yeah. how was your uh, stand up? like material change since the show have you incorporated anything from the show or is it pretty much kind of like written out like you don't talk about it much in your um, I, talk, I do two things about fangasm I, I talk about meeting George Takei and I talk about meeting Stanley. one of the things they didn't really uh, talk a lot about when the show aired was um, what happened in the aftermath of meeting Stanley because I uh, uh, I pitched him a comic book idea called the falcon and like everybody knows except for me apparently there's a superhero called the falcon written and created by stan lee so i was pitching stanley an idea that he already had and so so when i after the uh after i found out that that was like a comic book idea i approached paul about it i'm like hey paul why didn't you tell me he goes oh i thought you knew i'm like well just yesterday just last night before the pitch I told you this idea, and you told me pitch this idea to Stanley because Stanley is gonna love it. <laughs> Paul just threw me under the bus on that one. I don't think he meant to, but that's what he did. Well, I I think it now. I don't know Paul nearly as well as you do, but from talking with Paul, that sounds like his quirky sense of humor. Like he probably did yeah. that just to make himself laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I, I had no real uh, will towards Paul. He's, he's He's a great guy, but I. No, he's, <laughs> he, he told me that I just had to like hug him and like give him like a little knuckle sandwich. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly what I would do because he's he he's a kidder. He's a cut up. You know what I mean? He's he's a character, but he's yeah. he's a, he's a class act. Paul's a really really classy dude. Yeah, Paul Paul's great. He was great. I, I met him in uh, at Comic Con this year, and I told him that story again, and he felt super bad about it. He's like, I can't believe I did that. Well, I think it's funny, you know, you said you guys, you know, you got to meet like these celebrities and whatnot, but like, it's that moment, like I've done the same thing. Like I have to, I got to meet George Lucas one time and, and it's very surreal. Like you don't, you kind of question that you're actually in this moment and like it's, it, it, you're, it's almost like an out of body experience when I met George Lucas. It did. What is, what was the feeling that you had when you met George Takei? Like what, what, what was going through your mind? very weird like you say it's like out of you're in like an out-of-body experience uh like when i met george decay i felt like i was like i i was immediately transported back to when i was 14 watching star trek with my great-grandmother like any feeling i had sitting down on that couch eating you know oreo cereal 
and you know having my grandmother just laugh at different stuff in the show that I didn't understand why why she was laughing about all those feelings came rushing back and he wasn't George K wasn't like just a celebrity to me he was a memory he was like my great it was as if my great grandma was sitting in front of me so that's how that felt meeting George K when I met Stan Lee it was. That was weird. Like, I, I didn't freak out when I met Stanley. I was just, like, astonished that I could meet him. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. So, well, it, was, it was weird. I, I liked it. Well, let me bring it back, because that's the second time you mentioned your grandparents in Star Trek. Did your grandparents introduce you to Star Trek? And tell me about that. Um, well, it wasn't my grandparents. It was my uh, great-grandmother. And I was already a fan of Star Trek, and she just wanted to bond with me. You know, she was really old, and she didn't really do anything except sit there and on the couch or on in her bed. And so I would just watch the show with her, and I kind of introduced her to Star Trek. But she's the one that really got me hooked, because at that point I just watched it just randomly, because that's what I could find on TV. But I, I guess, you know, lots of memories that you have when you're a kid, they're always attached to something. So Star Trek is a memory that's attached to my great-grandmother. So no matter how bad a Star Trek episode is or how bad a Star Trek movie is, I'm still going to watch it because it brings me back those memories that I've had with my great-grandmother. Well, yeah, that actually, it, it, it's it's kind of funny that you say that because uh, uh, my grandmother lived in Orlando and uh, my treat for any time I went to my grandmother's house, I went to the store. It was called Enterprise 1701. And it was like a, a a huge glorified comic book store, but they had like Star Trek stuff and they had Star Wars stuff. So it was always like my little treat when I went and spent time with grandma is that afterwards my mother would take me there. And like I bought my first tricorder there. I got my first phaser there. Uh, my mom bought the pattern to make my uh, Halloween Star Trek costume, my next-gen costume from there. I got my <laughs> my next-generation T-shirt from there, which I constantly got made fun of in middle school for. I mean, so I have a lot of good memories with my grandmother that are also associated with Star Trek. So I think it's really, really cool, man. Like, I, I really can get that and relate to it. Well, yeah, well, thank you. Like, that's just... It's just the way it is, you know. Uh, and I love Star Wars, but Star Wars to me is just a movie. It's just a movie that I enjoyed watching. It doesn't yeah. bring back memories. It just brings back memories of watching that movie. But Star Trek, it kind of it has a deeper meaning to me. Yeah. So normally when people get asked questions, you know, you get the typical Kirk or Picard. It's blah blah blah. I'm going to ask you a different type of Star Trek question. What okay. What is the worst Star Trek series? If you had to think about it. The worst Star Trek series would be would there be a toss up. It'd be either Deep Space Nine or Enterprise. But the reason I say that is because like the first four seasons of Deep Space Nine, I didn't really like. But when they got into like the Kardashians and, and like uh, the Dominion Wars, that was when really Deep Space Nine took off. And then Enterprise, the first season was great. I really really liked it, and then it just tapered off horribly. Yeah, I will say that. I loved Enterprise just because I love Scott Bakula from uh, Quantum Leap. Hell, he's the only reason I'm watching that stupid NCIS Louisiana show <laughs> is because of him. But, uh, like, the first season was great, and the second season was okay, and then it just went downhill. 
And I don't know if it's UPN didn't have enough faith in it, or maybe they were putting they maybe had too many notes because you know being in the TV world, you know about notes. They had too many notes for it. Maybe that screwed up the writers' room. Like I don't know, I don't know what went awry in that situation. But they had a good premise and they had a good launch pad, but they just kind of went way off course. Yeah, the the way I read articles and heard interviews about it, and apparently, like it was right after you know Voyager and Deep Space Nine that really hit off. Like they were hit. yeah, and then they just wanted another hit Star Trek show, so they uh, they rushed Enterprise out. And even though the first season was really good, it didn't um, the, the it didn't do as well as they wanted. So like they like hired new writers, and then the UPN stepped in and said, "Well, let's do this and let's do that." And then by the third season, they were like, you know, in 1940 Germany fighting Nazis. So, yeah, like when they started doing the whole time travel storyline, I'm like, okay, this must have been UPN stepping in. Like there was nobody on the Star Trek writing team. I don't think that thought that shit was a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that whole idea didn't make any sense. Yeah, but at least they kind of turned around at the end because they had the the whole thing with the uh, holodeck at the end and they had the lady that played Deanna Troy and, and Will Riker and they had some of the people from Next Gen kind of come and piece it all together. So at least as a fan watching it near the end, at least I kind of felt like they tied it all together and it feels so bad about it. Yeah, you guys, you guys, you're, uh, we got our, like, yeah, at least it ended well. Yeah, we got our cherry on top of our turd Sunday, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, Andrew, we we really do appreciate you taking this time out of your busy schedule to kind of talk with us. Uh, how do people find you on, on the internet? Uh, how you can find me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, on Twitter, I'm uh, at Andrew Duvall. Um, same thing for Facebook. Um. Those are the two things I really use. I used to have a website, but I just I just use everything that I do on Twitter and Facebook. So those are the two places you can find me. And is that where we can find your dates for your stand-up shows? Uh, yeah, when I have a show, I'll tweet about it. Awesome. And I'll tell you what, right now, brother, you tweet us, and we'll retweet and throw it out there like crazy because I want as many people as possible to see your stand-up because you, you've got some funny shit, man. Oh, well, thank you. And also, uh, you know, if you want to ask Sal or, or Kristen to, you know, hey, you want to be on the show, whatever. Like I said, no pressure to them if they want no, to. No, not at all. But because, we just want everyone yeah. to get their time to shine and, and talk about the show, really. So if you want to throw a like. I'll, I'll, I'll Facebook message her and uh, that'll be up to her after that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and we, like I said, we appreciate it because we've tried to hit up Molly. We've tried to hit up Sal. We've tried to hit up, and I'm going to butcher her name, Diana, um, who won. And, you know, we've been trying to, to put our feelers out because I just, and this is just me as a fan personally, I just want you guys to have your time to shine. I want you to have your your 60 minutes to where you can talk and say what you want and kind of put what you want out in the universe. You know what I mean? Because I just feel like yeah. you gave so much entertainment to me and so much fun and was on top of that just people I could relate to. And then I felt like you kind of got screwed by sci-fi and you got hosed. And I just, 
I want to give you a redemption story, if that's even possible, just to where you guys can, you know, say how you really felt about the experience and where you can put out there like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Check me out. I've got this job or I'm doing stand up or I've got this new TV show or whatever. I want to I want to put as much love to you guys out in the universe as possible. Well, thank you. And it was a lot of fun talking to you guys. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. And we really, really appreciate the time. And thank you for the interview. Yeah, no worries. Anytime. All right, brother. Well, you have a great night, and thank you for your time. Nice right, start, guys. You All right, too. man. See ya. Later. Later. And that, again, was Andrew from Sci-Fi's Fangasm, which an amazing interview he was. In, like I said, we're, we're going to hook you up. We're going to put it on our Facebook page and everything. How you can hit him up on Twitter. Throw him a like, throw him a follow. Uh, definitely see when he, he's coming, if he's coming to your town or if he's coming anywhere close soon. Guy's funny as shit, man. He's worth the price of admission to go see, so you definitely should check him out. Speaking of checking out, how can they check us out, Johnny? Well, there's several ways. We're everywhere. We're, um, I think, I think there's a Vine. I think where there's a, you know, there's a, we have a little Gmail. So you can just type this in the old Google machine and guess what's going to come up. For our Twitter, it's at HH Podcast Show. When you, when you see it in that Google, you'll see Gmail, show at gmail.com. But wait, there's more. There's twitch.tv forward slash happy hour podcast. And wait, we're on YouTube as well. YouTube.com forward slash happy hour podcast. And I think I've mentioned it all, have I? Well, wait. also on Facebook, if you go up to the search bar, you can put happy hour with Johnny and Deuce and we'll pop up there. We want to thank you so much, our fans. Uh, and just say thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this great interview. And again, thank you to Andrew from Fangasm. Thank you so much for your time, brother, and thank you so much for this great interview. And remember, when you're talking about the Happy Hour Johnny and Deuce, there's not one but two hashtags. There's hashtag Happy Hour Podcast and hashtag Deuces on the Loose. See ya.